The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. My last name, Judy. People sometimes call me short for a Jew, for like one Jew. So I just got a Jewish star. So, yeah, I'm not Jewish, though. I'm a ball player. Whoever picks me, I'm going to go show up. I'll play whoever for, for whoever drafts me. I've deleted uh, Twitter a lot. That is the most enjoyable moment about ball. Is to go out there and just really abuse somebody. And then they won't say nothing about it in the press, anything. I ain't on no headlines and handcuffs, no mug shots, no nothing. I'm out here just physically abusing a man. Like I said, I'm obviously the most the most valuable person in the draft. You want a person who speaks one language or you want a person who speaks three languages? And I'm definitely a person who speaks three or four languages. Welcome, everybody, to the Pick 6 Podcast. <laughs> the 2020 NFL Combine is in the books. What's up, everybody? Pick Six Podcast here, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. Thrilled to be recapping the 2020 NFL Combine, first ever year in prime time in Indianapolis with the man who interviewed, uh, I think, roughly 93% of all Combine participants while at the Combine for CBS Sports HQ, Ryan Wilson. Wilson, what's up, buddy? Did you hear the intro? Uh, you know what? We don't really need to explain the technical. No, yes, I've heard it, but I didn't hear it just now. Did you hear the last little bit before you, you came on the air? No. Uh-huh. Oh, well, thanks to Debo. He played the uh, Ryan Wilson impersonating Will Brinson. This is the Pick 6 podcast intro from uh, last week when we did it from Indy, where I was trying to, to be Will. And, and uh, you know, I thought it was pretty good. That, the fact that you didn't react, it troubled me. I thought maybe you were really angry, but I think you, you just weren't paying attention. No, uh, no, well... I mean, long story short, my headphones are running through my computer and not through the mixer right now. So that's why I couldn't hear it. Would you like me to go back and play it again? No, I heard it. It was fantastic. And I'm glad Diva put that on the end there. You can yeah. hear it when you re-listen to it live. I thought you did a great job hosting the podcast. Well, as you pointed out in the last podcast, it wasn't a lot of me talking. It was me just throwing it to Brady and Pete. I mean, you're, just, you're just trying to like – you're trying to herd a, like a group of wine drunk cat, like, like cats <laughs> drunk on wine. Like through the through a mall, like it's like herding cats, wasted cats through the mall of America. Not easy. And Pete's a cat guy, so that works. Yeah, so it's breach. We got a lot of cat guys. JLC's a dog guy. I'm a dog guy. You're a dog guy. What's Debo? Debo must be a dog guy. He's not a cat guy. No. Come on, dog guy. <laughs> Debo hates animals. <laughs> no, I can see Debo liking animals. But I don't understand the whole cat thing, but whatever. I don't want to. I don't want to. Hey, Debo, you don't have a dog, do you? 
No, I don't. My hours, I don't think, are conducive to that. But if I see, like, on a dating app, a girl is like, I love cats, then that's an automatic swipe to the left. Do girls write, I love cats on dating apps? Oh, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, a lot of these, they, like, give you certain prompts. Um, so it'll be something animal related, like dog or cat. And if I see cat, then that's a, that's a red flag to me more than a lot of things. (laughs) Okay. I was just picturing like some girl is like on her profile. It's like, I love cats, (laughs) like exclamation point, which is, you know, maybe don't do that. Ain't got time for that. Yeah. Then you're just hurting your way into into a crazy cat lady, not that or crazy cat man, you know, because either one is possible. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the combine it's over. It's over early. Used to uh, run into Monday, sometimes Tuesday. It felt like uh, it run through the weekend with uh, defensive player drills, but it's over after a thrilling Sunday of primetime combine. Uh, by the way, remember, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Ask us a question about a team, a player, a draft situation, whatever you want, off-season free agency, anything you want, we will answer it on the podcast. We weave those mailbag questions in all the time. Uh, then we do special mailbag episodes at various points. Ryan. As our junior draft analyst, why don't you give me a grade, an overall grade for the for the new combine, the primetime combine? Well, uh, let's see. I, I feel like it was too dragged out for the the primetime experience because they were trying to fit in the commercials and, and make it last from seven till eleven. Uh, I wish it were a little more compact. I think the players actually wish they weren't running late at night. Uh, and I understand that because when they train for this thing in the weeks leading up to the combine, they're not running at, at 8.30, 9.30, 10.30 at night. Uh, I thought it got actually better over the weekend when there was not the, the element of it being, uh, at least on Sunday, on prime time. It was 2 to 7, uh, two, mm. 2 to 6 actually. Two, at 6.30, I think Rich Eisen ran his 40. And I actually liked that better. I was doing some some mock drafting, and I could listen to it and watch it in the background, and, and it wasn't something where – I was expected to, to be on the set at, at 11.15 p.m. to talk about what had happened uh, the hours before. I don't think the ratings were great, and maybe that's just a function of people not knowing or, or not being accustomed to it. So we'll see what happens. I, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, ratings tend to be pretty important, and, and uh, mm. you know, we'll see how it goes from there. But it was different. That was a great job giving a letter grade. Did you ask for a specific letter grade? I mean, when you say give it a grade, it's not really your opinion. It's like, give me a specific grade. I'll give it a, I like the fact. I, I, let me, you, may, you may guess your grade and then I'll grade your grade. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess that you give it a B minus because that's the sort of grade you give something you don't like, but you don't want to insult. Yeah, I was thinking C plus B minus. I like the fact that the players and the coaches were on the podiums right behind us and we could, we could get those guys very easily, which wasn't the case last year. So that was really good. And, and you get. How many total coaches did you guys get? Well, that's, that's not a function of the combine itself. And they jammed all the coaches and GMs into one day, which is a real pain in the rear. I mean, like if you're up there and you're trying to listen to everybody talk, I mean, you're only going to get a couple of guys. You got to go back and read a bunch of transcripts. And that's fine. I mean, it just used to be where you could talk, you could sit in one spot and basically get every single coach or at least three quarters of the league throughout the course of the, the entire combine. Uh, I think that we got five or six coaches. I was only on set for Sean McVay, but I will say this, and this was actually pretty cool. Tommy Tran was was the was the anchor for I think all of the those conversations except for the one where Pete did a, a stand up with Andy Reid. But uh, he was there for Brian Flores, who, as you might imagine, is very serious and rarely smiles. We were walking back to the set, and and um, in Indianapolis, the convention center connects to Lucas Oil Stadium. Media is not allowed in Lucas Oil Stadium, but obviously the players. Uh, the coaches, GMs, and scouts, and all those guys are. And we walk past Brian Flores. Brian Flores looks up, smiles, said, "Hey, what's up, Tommy?" And uh, you know, what? He, yeah. And Tommy's like, "What's up, Brian?" 
He may have actually called him B-Flow, if I'm not, if not mistaken. After the interview? After the I, interview we completed? That's impressive. Like a day and a half later. He said, hey, Tommy, what's up? Tommy that is, that's, was it was, it was Tommy, sh- like, stunned after the fact? Afterwards, he's like, oh, hey, you remember my name? That's cool. He said that, you know, not to, to B-Flow, but, <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. to the, the group of us walking. I was like, good Lord, Tommy, you're, you're, uh, you're legit. I, man, I wish I had that sort of ability to remember names. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, but I think like when you're when you're like a young whippersnapper coach and, and you have your stuff together, that's probably one of those things that you do. Oh, you'll appreciate this story. So Sean McDermott happened to be standing behind the CBS uh, Sports HQ set, and I couldn't wait to talk to him because, as you know, I went to college with Sean McDermott. Uh, I talked to him a few years ago when he was the defense coordinator of the Panthers. Talking for like ten minutes at the uh, that Super Bowl. With the, with the Broncos, and we were just talking about William Mary, oddly enough. So I went up to him and reintroduced myself. I said, hey, Sean, Ryan Wilson, I graduated from I graduated with William Mary in 95. And he goes, uh, ah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, eh, I was talking to Joe Person because Joe Person went to William Mary, and he knows Sean, too. And he's the beat reporter for the Charlotte – now the Athletic, excuse me, covering yeah. the Panthers. And we talked, like, probably 45 seconds. And uh, I think the, uh, the William Mary has changed their mascot now. They used to be the Tribe. But, like, the, after 45 seconds, he just – Slaps me on the back and says, all right, go Tribe, and walks off. <laughs> all right, good talk, Sean. Appreciate that, man. There's yeah. nothing worse than when you go up to somebody like that and you try to break the ice with something that you are absolutely positive will break the ice. He doesn't and then hear just... that every day. He doesn't hear every day, hey, I went to college with you. So, right. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you think he'd be like, oh, yeah, like, uh, cool. Like, who was your, you know, do you have so-and-sos? Like, or like, you know, what dorm do you live in? Like, that's what I would reply with or something like that. But like, I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, I've just, I've had that happen too. And it's just, it's just crippling. You're like, the entire conversation is just flat out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. And we actually, actually had those conversations that you mentioned back, back when he was a defense coordinator and no one was around him and bothering him. So I'm sure he's at that point in his career where he's just tired of being bothered. Oh, maybe he hated me. I don't know. But uh, I thought it was pretty funny either way. Yeah. I, I don't think he hated you. Um, okay, so let's talk about the winners and the losers. We will also talk about Ryan's latest mock draft because it is Mock Draft Monday. If you're listening to this, um, we're recording it on Sunday night, of course. That's when the Combine wrapped up. And uh, I'm not going to give the Combine. I give, I'll give you an A for your grade, by the way. Um, huh. I'm going to give the Combine. I'm going to give it a uh, – D minus. What? I don't like the primetime thing. Now look, I get, now this is, this is going to sound like it's sort of a little spoiled, I guess, but like for me, I am used to getting up and watching the combine drills in the morning. Yeah. And throughout the day. And I work from home and I write about sports for a living so I can watch the combine. Now for people who don't have that luxury of working from home and doing it for work and, and like have to be at a job or an office during the day and are draft junkies. I think it's a great idea and fans have embraced the combine and, and draft stuff more and more over the past few years and are big into draft things. So I I'm, I'm fine with it. I want, you know, I want P I want, you know, like I'm going to, you know, I can, I can watch the combine whenever it's on, whether it's morning or night, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's annoying that it's like getting in the way of other sports, but whatever. I, I do, like, I want it to be in, in front of the eyes of as many people who can enjoy it as possible, but I just didn't feel like it had the pop or the pizzazz. Like, I felt like it, ha- it has way more pop when it's going on during the day because it's the only thing on. I mean, it was on, I mean, it was on, like, f- the quarterbacks threw on Thursday, and that was sort of a big deal. But this is not even even though it was a good crop of quarterbacks. You know, Burrow didn't throw, Tua didn't throw, and then I mean, frankly, like I, I didn't hear. I mean, like there were maybe two things 
that really popped off. Uh, Mecky Becton's uh, 40 and Isaiah Simmons 40. And it was like, other than that, it was like, and, and Henry Ruggs, I guess, too, when he ran, but that was on Thursday, wasn't it? Didn't I mean, like, two, two. He ran, yeah, ran four two seven, but I'm I'm just saying like two forty times. Th- there was never like there was never anything that was like oh I got to get onto the combine like y- anything you want to see from the combine you're gonna get in the form of a, like an alert a little clip on Twitter something like that it's it, I don't know I just don't know if it becomes must see television for the average sports fan and I think it's probably gonna lose going going up against big college basketball games going up against a uh, really entertaining golf tournament on Sunday there's the XFL I mean I, I'd, yeah, I'd be curious to see how it rates out against those other things but I would give it a D minus I just I mean I didn't. Well, maybe this will be the extent uh, of the reach of the NFL in terms of their offseason sports-wise, because if you're doing it at 8 p.m. on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and NBA, college basketball, golf are on, or at least on Saturday afternoon, then, then that's that's some competition for you. So we'll see. I, I'm sure they ain't going to give up trying. I'm not sure um, if, if I mentioned this on Thursday or Friday show. I think I did, but um, – I would say that to me, one of the reasons why I think that they're probably going to stick with the primetime thing and they're fine doing it right now, even though it doesn't make sense with the schedule in Indy, I would bet that the combine is in Los Angeles within two years. And so if that's the case, then all of a sudden, if you're running at um, 8 a.m. or you're running at you know 6 p.m. Eastern or 7 p.m. Eastern, it's really like four or five, you know, three, four, five p.m. Pacific time. So my guess is it'll get out to LA. They'll change it. They'll, they'll keep it out in LA and, um, and maybe they move it around a little bit. There's been talk about that, like the draft, but I think they'll put it out in LA because that's where they want to host it. And they want to show off that new stadium and, uh, it'll be easier for NFL network to be set up there. So I'm guessing that is part of the primetime push as well. Here's the thing about Los Angeles. And they were actually talking about this on Sunday's telecast. Um, Charles Davis, I believe, Deion Sanders and Jeremy, um, Daniel Jeremiah. In Indianapolis, which is a small, big town, and yes, it's freezing cold this time of year, but you can walk to anything usually indoors, and you don't have to get in a cab. You don't have to shuttle a bunch of people in a bus uh, to get to the hospital, to get to the stadium, to get to places to eat, where Los Angeles is going to be a, a train wreck in terms of travel. And if, if your plan is to, to move around 300 to 340 kids that are working out of this thing, that's a lot logistically to sort out in a town where no one cares about sports. So... I mean, that's something you have to figure figure out. And, and the NFL, I would imagine, <laughs> at the end of the day, doesn't care. We've seen them host Super Bowls in cities where uh, the media spend all their time on the bus. And and it's not about the media. But to get the players around, that that's sort of important. So um, that's the allure of Indianapolis. But, you know, they used to have the draft every year in Radio City. And guess what? The radio, it's not been in New York since, and it, it probably won't be. All right. Well, let's get down to the – let's get into business. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's get the show on the road. Um Combine winners. What? Uh, give me one. Uh, give me. Let's start listing winners. All right. Uh, I'll start um, in random order. Isaiah Simmons, huge winner. Two hundred thirty-eight pounds, six foot four, four three nine forty, thirty-nine inch vert, one hundred thirty-two inch broad jump, on and on and on. So I don't know if I mentioned this when we last spoke on the podcast, but we talked to Joe Burrow. And asked him the one player he had to look out for in the national championship game, Isaiah Simmons. He said, I need to know on every single play. And the dude's a freak. So uh, let me see if I have this tweet up. It's actually um, pretty good. But they uh, they were comparing. Uh, a 439 40 
with a 39 vert and 132 broad at 64238 is absolutely insane. So here we go. Yeah, no, it's nuts. Snap counts by alignment, according to, to Pro Football Focus, in their final year of college. Durin James, James played the slot. Cornerback, 178 times. Safety, 390 times. Off-ball linebacker, 149 times. Edge rusher, 64 times. Isaiah Simmons played slot cornerback, 257. So think about that. Slot cornerback, 6'4", 230. Safety, 225 times. Off-ball linebacker, 192 times. Edge defender, 115 times. So the point is... And it's funny, we asked Isaiah Simmons who he sort of compared himself to or who he watched in, in order to, to sort of get himself pumped up. And he mentioned guys like Teron Matthew and, and um, Vaughn Miller, oddly enough. But he didn't mention Dur- Derwin James, but I think all three of those guys taken together is who he is. And if that sort of appeals to you, I think that uh, Isaiah Simmons is your man. Did you which, – which, what did you just read, the tweet? What was it? Debo just dropped something else that I was going to share. NFL Research um, – tweeted this out via Pro Football Focus comparing Derwin James and Isaiah Simmons in terms of the positions they played in college. And basically it was split among slot well, no, no, you don't, have to, you, don't have to re, you don't have to reread it. I was just making sure I didn't double up and sound like an a-hole. Um, okay. They also tweeted out uh, he's basically a uh, bigger Julio Jones. He ran a faster 40 than Julio Jones. His vertical was higher, and he's 6'3 instead of Julio 6'2 and weighs 18 pounds more than Julio Jones did at the combine. That is – it's it's really it's just insane. Um, I think that this combine, I think he was probably there anyway, in my opinion. But like, I think he's a slam dunk top ten, uh, yeah. and I think he is probably a pretty good bet for the for top five in the draft. The only reason I would not say he's a sl- like, I think he's definitely a top five talent. The problem is you get you know with positional stuff. I mean, I, you know, I do think because he moves from linebacker to safety, that's not really as much of a concern. He can blitz, et cetera. But I do think that um, because there are quarterbacks in the draft yeah. that will go high, that you will, you know, he could fall out of the top five. But I don't think it's likely. Well, wait, maybe we'll find out if he's in Ryan's top five that's right. uh, later on, which I'm guessing he is now. Uh, but don't don't ruin it. Who else is a winner from the combine? Uh, I had Jalen Hurts in there. We talked a little bit about him. Mm-hmm. Last week, but he ran that four five nine, and I'll keep saying it until people tell me to quit talking about it. But he is Taysom Hill, but he can, he's a better passer. And you know, you bring him in, and you give him a small package of things to do, and you have success. You can't put him on a crappy team. And I was actually thinking about that. It's easy to say, yeah, you can't draft Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or Jalen Hurts to put him on a terrible football team. So yeah, you can say that about anybody. But I feel like you could do that with Joe Burrow. You could put Joe Burrow on a terrible football team, and he will go to a terrible football team and probably have success. But Jalen Hurts is a guy who needs to develop as a passer and as a sort of a drop-back guy. But in the meantime, he can do all sorts of things, and um, he certainly helped himself with that four five nine forty time. Uh, do you – so you say that he has to go – I think we set the over-under at uh, the first pick of the third round for Jalen Hurts. You say he can't go to a crappy team. I mean, like the problem, it's just so hard to care. Are you, are you really going to use a second or third round pick on a guy that you've just building a package, like a package of plays for? Like where would Taysom Hill go in this draft if you dropped him in there and, and magically made him not 30? Yeah. Taysom Hill's issue was injuries. He had a ton of injuries at BYU. He would have gotten drafted. He'd have been a day three guy, maybe fourth round. I don't know. So Jalen Hurts isn't that far from a fourth round pick, but I mean, he could even go to a team like Jacksonville and have success. Their quarterbacks obviously are question marks. But his versatility is, I mean, the organization is relatively stable, uh, just so they don't have a quarterback and, you know, he can fix that through free agency maybe. But, um, I mean, think about him in Indianapolis, for example. That to me is, is pretty exciting. They need, they need a, an extra wide receiver. Uh, they can certainly have him sort of mix things up in Mar- with Marlon Mack in the run game and then he can throw the ball 
And you know, if they get Philip Rivers, even better. That that makes Philip Rivers' life a little easier. But yeah, I mean, um, he's still he said he won't be anything other than a quarterback. Though I mean, so like you're going to keep him on the depth chart as a quarterback. Like he's going to have to be like Taysom Hill. That's fine. That's right. I mean, Lamar Jackson's a quarterback, but Joe Flacco kept throwing him, um, you know, medicine balls in that first six weeks to get him injured. <laughs> no, that's Lamar, right. I forgot about that. Lamar Jackson, I'm not even going to try to catch those. <laughs> no, I will say too. I will say too that like the Taysom Hill thing is a huge win for Jalen Hurts because because Taysom Hill exists and people are interested in Taysom Hill, somebody will do something like get like remember when Pat White came along and he went like in the second round because the Wildcat was hot. Like yeah. if you're, it's all about timing. You know, five years ago, Jalen Hurts is going undrafted. Um, maybe yeah. not. Maybe not. I don't know. But no, I mean, the point is. I don't think right. he's a great quarterback, but. He's got to get better as a passer. He's a better passer, and Prisco says this, and he's right. He's a better passer than Taysom Hill right now, and all the talk about Taysom Hill being a franchise quarterback is sort of silly. So I think if he went late in the third round, that's fine as a comp pick. If he went middle of the third round because some team has the expectation they can make him into something, that's fine, too. I wouldn't take him in the second round. Pat White, legendary, 2009 NFL draft. Now with uh, South Florida. He got absolutely destroyed. I don't know if Debo can find the clip. Ike Taylor absolutely ended his world. Sean Taylor. No, Ike Taylor. Ike Taylor? Yeah. Because uh, uh, I remember it was the uh, Steelers Dolphins, and he just he wasn't meant to be a second round pick. Oh, was, that's right. That game was insane. On the sideline. Playing on your. Uh, Debo found, found it in three seconds. Debo is. Debo is not a cat owner. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, he ran around that the left side, and Ike Taylor just came in and dropped him. Um, okay, moving along. Offensive lineman, big boy. Who's Tristan Wirfs is on your winners list? Is he uh, see the best? See your number one offensive lineman? No, it, it goes back and forth. I mean, there are so many good guys. Five or six get drafted in the first round, and I think you mentioned Isaiah Simmons being a top five, top ten pick. Um, he could get pushed down because of the quarterbacks and because there's a running offensive uh, and defensive lineman. But Tristan Wirfs is right up there, and he just reconfirmed that he's really good. That four eight five forty. He had 36 and a half vertical, which is bonkers for someone who weighs 320 pounds. Can play right tackle. He can play left tackle. Probably play guard if they want to play there. So he's a guy you put in uh, right away and solve some any issues you may have at, at offensive line. Would um when you say it goes back and forth, is it Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs, or do you include Mecky Becton in there? Yeah. So uh, I like Jedrick Wills a lot. Heard some talk last week at Indy that. They might kick him inside to guard, but we heard the exact same thing last year about Jonah Williams, and Jonah Williams mm. actually left tackle until he got hurt. I like Jedrick Wills as a right tackle. He's a grown man. I mean, he just sort of body slams people. Um, Makai Becton is, I, he, again, that's Pete's, uh, Prisco's favorite guy. Um, I like him a lot, and uh, Andrew Thomas had a really good combine as well, showed up his athleticism. He had sort of slipped, quote-unquote, to the, the fourth spot among those um, list of offensive linemen, but I don't think they're that far apart. I think Wirfs is probably um, the, the furthest along. I, I think Wills is the one of the strongest. Obviously, Mackay Becton is pretty strong, too, for someone who's 6'7", um, 364, and ran a four, 5'1", or whatever he ran. And yeah. uh, Andrew Thomas, his footwork's a little sloppy, but he's he's a three-year starter, I believe. Replaced Isaiah Wynn, can play right tackle, left tackle, uh, protected Jake Fromm, and play with DeAndre Swift, so on and so forth. So, I mean, those guys are all first-round pick. Okay. Um, I would take Becton myself. I think he's a monster. I think. Uh, do we have the over? Do we have any pro, are draft props out yet? I haven't even really looked. I think that. Let's see if we can find some draft props. NFL. NFL draft props. Here we go. Let's see. I don't know. If these are officially released. Nah. Uh, Ebo just put this black while you look for it. But the NFL research. 
Tristan Wirth's vertical was higher than Dre Hopkins a few years ago, Jerry Judy, and CeeDee Lamb this year. I mean, that's bonkers. Who will be drafted first, Jordan Love or Justin Herbert? Herbert minus 185. Love plus 140. I would take a gamble on Love. Well, we can talk about it with my latest mock draft later. All right, perfect. Um, two is over-under set at three and a half. Uh, number of quarterbacks selected in the first round over four and a half. Is that four and a half? We're going to get five quarterbacks? Someone goes for just uh, Jacob Eason. But that's, o- over four and a half is minus 165, too. Wow. What's uh, to under? Over. This is insane. Uh, under is plus 120. Um, oh, I would bang that under right now. I can't. I'm not allowed to say what side I'm using for this. But, um, it's an offshore. But I mean, like, I just, you know, I knew I could I, you can find something. You, you don't have to say the site. Just tell me the, uh-huh. the props. Um, and then the, uh, this one is crazy too. Number of quarterbacks. Well, actually, this is not what this is. Here, tell me what is. Hold on. Number, tell me what is and I'll guess it. Okay. Number of quarterbacks taken in the top 10 of round one over under is three and a half. That is right. Good call. And, um, the over under. is minus 140. Under is even. Under. Take the under on that. Yeah. I think that's the under is a good bet. First 10, no way. Yeah. With Jeffrey Goody and Isaiah Simmons and Derek Brown out there and all those if, offensive If four quarterbacks go in the first, in the top ten, so then your other six guys are Chase Young, Okuda, Isaiah Simmons. And then and a bunch of linemen. Three off, probably three offensive linemen because you got Cleveland, New York. And Derek Brown, too, so you had to put him in there. The defense tackle, so. Mm. Mm is right. Dude, that would be insane. That means like some really good draft prospects have dropped to the middle of the second round or the middle of the first round. That's what happened with uh, with Derwin James too. Remember, because J- yeah. Josh, Josh Rosen and all those guys got taken and Derwin fell. You hate to see it. You do hate to see it. All right, um, Justin Jefferson on your winners list. Oh, I love Justin Jefferson so much. He was one of the first guests we had, and I was actually I told him I said, "Dude, I am so happy you're six one and two hundred two pounds because I wanted you to be big." And, um, you know, uh, not a little small slot corner. Um, And the issue with him is, all right, how fast is he going to run? Because Devin Duvernay plays a similar position at Texas, a slot guy, but Duvernay's a track guy. Right. So we knew he was going to run well. And Jefferson, sometimes you watch – I mean, he he was a huge um, element of that passing game in LSU, obviously, along with Jamar Chase. And the issue was, okay, he doesn't face a lot of press man in the slot, and how fast is he? And he said, I'm going to surprise a lot of people, so just hold your breath on that. And that dude ran a four four three. He's like a first round, first rounder. I mean, that's huge. Like if he goes to the Saints or to the Patriots, do you think Justin Jefferson goes first round? He's a. He, I mean, there's so many of these guys. We'll see. I mean, he could fall to the second round because you know it's sort of the conversation we're having about ten, uh, four, three and a half quarterbacks going in the top ten. But that size, um, the height, the weight, and, and the forty time, and the forty time most importantly, you're in the thirty seven and a half vertical. That's um, that's first round stuff, especially with that production. Uh, all right, what about Neville Gallimore? So um, I met him at the, at the Senior Bowl, and um, he's just a freak athlete. And um, I, I was sort of talking to him again at, at the at the combine. Defensive, defensive lineman for Oklahoma, by the way. Yeah, and he had a really good season. And He's um, a he got, big dude. He's dropped 30 pounds from a year and a half ago. And um, so Quentin Williams ran a 4.83 last year, and Quentin Williams was the third overall pick. And uh, he said, "Yeah, I'm going to beat that." <laughs> really? <laughs> he did, dude. Get a four seven nine, and um, 
put up 23 on the bench press, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's more than adequate. Uh, but right, he's 6304. Another guy who's like a late first round, second round guy, who's a sort of a, a, a spark plug. Um, quick for a size. He's obviously fast, but he's a sideline to sideline sort of chase guy. Remind me a little bit of Jeffrey Simmons in terms of chasing people down. Um, yeah, he's, he's a good player and he's Canadian. He's like proudly represents the fact that he's Canadian and, hey. and, and is happy about, about, um, repping the, uh, I don't know, what do they call themselves? The, the great people from up north. Great north? Yeah. We the north? Yeah. yeah. They're like, um, Game of Thrones. How many Canadians do you know? Well, I'm not far from Canada, but how many do I know? I don't know a ton. Uh, There's like a sneaky Jer- amount of Canadians in the media. Julie Stewart Jeremy Banks. St. Jeremy St. Louis from Canada. Jeremy St. Louis. Um, Who did you just uh, say? Pat, uh, Julie Stewart Banks is Canadian. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, Pat Mayo. Uh, I think you said Pat McAfee. I said Pat McAfee's definitely not Canadian. <laughs> no, Pat McAfee is no, he's not Canadian. Pat Mayo's uh, Canadian. Uh, J.E. Skeets and okay. Taz Mellis are Canadian. They're OG bloggers. That's right. Um, Trey Kirby, not Canadian. He's from Chicago. Anyway, uh, combine losers. And by the way, did anybody did anybody pop up for you on Sunday, Saturday, or Sunday? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I guess. I mean, obviously, we had these winners. But anything other, anything notable from Friday, Saturday, Sunday's action that you would want to discuss? Sunday were the defensive backs and um, C.J. Henderson out of Florida, who I usually have going in the first round, but not. He's not Jeffrey Cuda. Um, and usually I've had Trayvon Dix on before him. Trayvon Dix, the Alabama cornerback, and Stephon Dix's brother did not run at the combine. He did the drills. Looked super smooth catching the ball, which makes sense. We'll see how fast, how fast he is at his pro day. C.J. Henderson ran a 4.39, put mm-hmm. up 20 pounds in the bench press, looked incredibly smooth. 127 uh, broad jump, too. Phew. Yeah, dude. He was, and he's, he's a cover corner. And just the, those numbers are great and all, but you watch him play, he's really good. The issue is he doesn't always tackle. And Jordan Reed, who writes for, um, the draft network. He's not the, the, the tight end for the Redskins who was just released, but, um, he's, a, <laughs> he actually played it either NC Central, NC A&T as a quarterback. And now he does this for a living. He's really good, but he talked to a scout who said, which I think is really funny. When he asked a question about CJ Henderson not tackling, the scout said, does anyone ask questions about all these defensive backs who are currently free agents that are going to get paid a lot of money, whether those guys tackle or not? All you care about is whether they cover people. So CJ Henderson covers people, and that's pretty, pretty important to what you ask him to do. So, um, you know, as the old saying go, he goes, he made himself some money, I think, on Sunday. I mean, he's not wrong. No, but we yeah. do get caught up in stupid stuff. I did that's ask Grant Delpit, the safety at LSU. So uh, what do you tell people when they say you can't tackle? Because you didn't tackle a lot of people uh, in 2019. Asked it very nicely. And he's a great kid. And he's a, what did you know, he say? He's like, yeah, I got to work on that. And I had a high ankle sprain, and that was the thing. He had an ankle injury all season. That's why he didn't run. Or that's what he said he didn't run at the combine. He's going to do it as pro day. Um, but, again, people, some people will tell you, dude, he's a center fielder and he's a ball hawk. Uh, let's make sure you have your – your uh, your priorities in order when you're when you're talking about that. Yes, it's important to tackle in football, but um, at the end of the day, maybe it's not as important to be a cover corner or safety and, and tackle unless uh, unlike a defensive tackle or a linebacker. Mm. Um, that's really interesting that you ask Grant Delbert to his face. Hey man, how can you right suck there. at how can you suck I, at tackling, bro? I didn't say that. <laughs> I like Grant Delbert. I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, how about some losers? Derek Brown is on our loser list. Is he falling out of the top ten? I don't want to call these guys losers. They're just guys who probably didn't perform to expectations. Um, he ran a 516. Stock up, stock down. Yeah, there you go. 516 is fine for Derek Brown. But his, his three cone was 822, and that is glacially slow. That is really slow. 
I mean, DK Metcalf's like, man, that is slow. <laughs> uh, so, you know, maybe he runs a faster one at his pro day or whatever. But you watch him play, and you're like, this dude is the top five talent. And um, he remains that. But uh, I, I'm guessing he would like a, to have had a better three-cone drill. And um, Mike Renner, the pro football focus draft analyst, tweeted DK, for it. the record, rate a 7.38 three-cone drill. Did he? <laughs> That's so slow. Just, just for fun? What's, what was he, what do you have the occasion to do that? He ran a four three three forty and a seven three eight three cone drill. That's an impossible thing to do. Yeah. Um. Uh, that's funny you say that because uh, we were ta- we talked to so many people who said that they oh they were I don't remember who it was but they were meeting with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was trying to trip him up uh, when they were doing the board work quote unquote, and he said it was really weird. And I I said did he rip his shirt off or did he keep it on? He goes no he kept it on so that was good. I don't even remember who the player was. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to see. No, uh, I was trying to see if um, uh, Vince Wilfork. I was just trying to think of somebody, somebody big who wore the, uh, who, like somebody big who would have run a three cone drill that was really slow. I mean, a two two is incredibly slow. I think that's one of the slowest. So I don't even know if Vince Wilfork had to have been faster than that. I think Derek Brown's ran, ran one. Maybe he was hurt. I haven't heard anything. Maybe he pulled up. I don't know. But um, I don't. He's still a top five player. It just struck me as weird that he would run that given how he played during the season, and. Um, I think it was Derek. I, I think it was Derek Brown because I asked him of the quarterbacks you faced: Joe Burrow, um, Jake Fromm. What, 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 what Tua? Um, which one was the toughest? And he said, "You know what, man? We we got after Joe Burrow, and we we you know hit him pretty hard, um, and we enjoyed that. But he just kept getting up, which was incredibly frustrating. Which was yeah, true. They actually played a really good game against Joe Burrow. Oh, that was they a- were." Yeah. He he actually I remember one hit on Joe Burrow. I thought Joe Burrow might have gotten hurt and he popped right back up and, and you know, he said we kept coming, but he kept getting up and you know, it is what it is. But anyway, the point is even though he ran eight two two, he had very little trouble um getting to Joe Burrow frequently. Mm. AJ Espinesa. Is that right? Espinesa? No is S. It? Yeah, you were close. How do you say it? Epinesa. Epinesa. Oh, I can't read. I'm sorry. It's all it's all right. So 504, that's not no problem there. 17 bench, that's you know he's like okay he has really long arms. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like okay we we're gonna need something more than that. And I actually was talking to a former general manager about the 17 bench. 17 bench press 225. Like well it's a little concerning. It's not the end all be all, but you get your attention and you wonder what's going on there. And he's also a guy who is not quick twitch. He's a defensive end. He, that's what he played at, at Iowa. He's and I asked him sort of what do you sort of consider. Your game. He's going to pattern myself after J.J. Watt. And he said, look, I'm not J.J. Watt. I understand that. But I'm a big – I'm 6'5", 275. I'm not Caleb Von Chason, for example, who's like a quick twitch guy around the edge. I, I'm more wind with, with power and, and um, a little quickness and not solely on quickness. And um, the 17 bench makes you wonder about the, the quickness part – I mean the, the strength part of it. But um, I I liked him when I watched him play, but he didn't blow me away. I mean he didn't do J.J. Watt things playing and play out. Right. So, and sometimes he would just disappear, and that happens. I get that. So I don't think he's the first-round pick right now, but if he goes in the second round, I, I think it's a perfectly good spot for him. Okay. Uh, LaVishka Chenault, a loser because he had to have surgery. Yeah, that's not great. So stock You can't him. take that guy in the first round. Well, injuries were a huge issue last season. You couldn't really get a sense of, of how explosive he could be because he was battling one injury the next, and then he came to the combine in a four five eight, and then said, all right, I get, I get the surgery taken care of. Uh, 17 bench. I mean, who cares? That's not bad for a wide receiver. But the four five eight, four five nine, that that ain't gonna work. So it can work. What about you the know. fact that he ran a four five five with the injury? 
Four five eight. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's the other thing. If he'd run really fast, we're talking about AJ Brown comps. The the, the four five eight brings Anquan Bolden comps, which isn't terrible, but um, he's supposed to be a faster player than that. So hopefully the injuries will the, the surgery, excuse me, will take care of that, and he can you know get it back on track because he's a, he's a good, really good player. I yeah, I, I I think he's a stud. I just would have a question about taking him in this class with all these wide receivers in the first round after that surgery. Uh, Mitchell Wilcox. Caught a football to the face. Not only did he catch to the face, we later found out that he popped a blood vessel in his eye and kept going during the gauntlet drill. Yeah. So, did we find out who threw it? Uh, n- no. It, uh, it was probably, probably Mr. Trubisky. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't show it on the, uh, on the, on the telecast. They yeah. didn't cut to like the guy who threw it and be like, here's the a-hole who popped old well, uh, missile's face. It's usually kids that probably end up don't getting drafted or, or end up in camps just sort of turn. And Deion Sanders actually asked this uh, Sunday, he said, do any of these kids do anything ever, like beyond this? And, of course, Daniel Jeremiah's like, well, Tony Romo was actually one of those guys at one point, and he's doing okay, <laughs> especially <laughs> after, after the recent news. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Congrats to Tony Romo. That too, you, guy throwing the ball off Mitchell uh, Wilcox's face. Congrats, Tony Romo. You're now the uh, second highest paid guy at CBS behind Ryan Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Matt. Uh, Bradley and I. Nice, you nailed it. Yeah. So edge rusher ran at four nine three. That's you know, like okay, that's that's not gonna work. Twenty five bench is very nice. You like that? The seven four four three cone is like ooh, all right. And he's only two hundred fifty seven pounds, um, which isn't small, but you, you would expect him someone who was heavier than that to run the four nine three type forty, like a Garrett Bradbury, for example. So, um. You watch him play, and he he looks pretty good. I, I don't think he's like a – he wasn't a first or second round guy for me. I, I liked him more in the third round. Some people liked him more. Some people liked him less. So we'll see. Go ahead. has pro day. Can, he can improve on those numbers, but the 493 sort of gets your attention. Uh, I would have included Mr. Beckton in this list, in the list of winners. He ran a 51140 at 364 pounds. Uh, my guy NC, uh, at NC State, James Smith-Williams, actually cut his elbow during his vertical jump. He's, I think he's a good player. I don't know, ran, Ohio. ran a 4-6, by the way. Yeah, he had a good combine. Until yeah, and in fact, his vert, I think the vert was crazy. It was a really, a really good vert, but uh, again, yeah, he landed on the his elbow hit the the side. Of the, is four six terrible for him? No, yeah, four six is fast, right? Fantastic. I yeah, mean, that's, yeah, I was like, wait, what, am I missing something here? That's a good thing. The elbow thing sucks. I think his vert was actually really good yeah. too. Yeah, um, I'm trying to look at uh, let's see, defensive lineman. Forty times did he run a? Did he, he, he probably would have run a three cone drill, right? Yeah, he had a seven three five three cone drill. That's pretty good for his size. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's see what what did he what did he toss up on that bench? Twenty eight bench reps, thirty two vertical, one twenty three broad, seven three five three cone drill, and four five two shuttle. That's pretty good. Yeah. The thing is, and you know this better than I do, he was did not a lot of production, so you wonder about that. Yeah, he was a little disappointed. You got Larell Murchison will get drafted higher than he is. Merch Merch is a monster. He had a really good senior ball, too. Yeah, he did. Uh, okay. Also notable, uh, Javelin Gidry ran a 4-2-9 on Sunday. Uh, 21 bench reps. Incredible name. Utah cornerback. Jeffrey Okuda, the Ohio State cornerback, hurt his neck uh, during a drill on Sunday. That's something to keep an eye on. And Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murth- Murph- Murray also injured running the 40 on Saturday. A lot of injuries this year at the Combine. Well, I will tell you this. Jeffrey Kuda went up for the ball and fell down awkwardly, and everyone's like, oh, boy, here we go. And as he was, he finally got up after 15, 20 seconds on the turf, and as he was jogging back or even walking back, Deion Sanders said, 
walked up to him and said, wrap it up. <laughs> There's no reason for you to be out here working, working like this. And, and Sanders actually made a good point. He goes, why is it that no one cares that Joe Burrow isn't throwing, but we want the best cornerback by miles to go out there and run around and po- potentially hurt himself and hurt his draft stock when there's nothing he needs to prove. And he was right. And he said that Akuda wanted to work out afterwards. He said, man, you might have a concussion. There's no reason for you to wrap it up. And, yeah. and I, You're I not getting paid for this. I mean, you are getting paid if you do really well, but like you're already getting paid, bro. I mean, Chase Young pointed out, he's like, I don't want to, he's like, I don't, he's like, I'm not trying to be a combine workout guy. I don't need to do that. So I'm not going to do all the workout of the combine. And he's not wrong. Daniel Jeremiah reminded everyone that Quentin Nelson didn't run 40 at the combine, didn't run in this pro day, and no one cares. Why do you care? It doesn't matter. Right. You can look at Chase Young and figure out that, you know what, he's probably pretty good based on the fact that he had, 40,000 sacks in eight football games. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, 44140, running back out of Wisconsin. And the Davis Twins, Khalil, 475 at 308 pounds. And Carlos, 482 at 313. Coming up after the break, we'll find out if Jeffrey Okuda's injury cost him a spot in the Ryan's top five of his mock draft. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right. So we mentioned, uh... Yeah, you know, that's the biggest change. I think we mentioned that how much, how much, do you, how much do you change your mock draft in the combine? Cause I feel like this is a pretty big milepost for someone who does a ton of mock drafts. Like if you're doing a mock draft every week for three or four months, A, I mean, it's really tedious. Uh, and B, <laughs> it is, right? Yeah, you know, you gotta make it, you find it hard to mix things up. Yeah, it's like, uh, if you've been married for, you know, been married for a decade, you gotta figure out a way to spice things up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, like you do have to like, you find yourself, it's, it's a hard exercise because you're, you're, you're trying to match up these teams and you're trying to do a good job, but you also want to kind of do some thought process stuff. The combine is great because there's actually information that gets produced that, that could potentially change our opinion of some of these guys. A big jump up to number three overall for your boy Isaiah Simmons. Wow. Yeah, so usually this is a spot held by Derek Brown and or uh, Jeffrey Kuda. In previous mock drafts, I've had them trading out of this pick to the Detroit Lions. But Isaiah Simmons, um, you know, ratcheted up the wow factor coming out of the combine with 439 and all the other stuff he did. And the lesson or, or the sort of the, the whole idea for the Lions going into this offseason is get better as fast as possible because otherwise Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn could get fired. Sure. And Derek Brown's a fantastic player. Jeffrey Kuda's a fantastic player. Isaiah Simmons plays four positions. So what better way to get better quickly than have a guy who can do four things really well instead of uh, one guy doing one thing really well, and, and that's a potential option. Worth noting, this mock draft has no trades for the first time in a few weeks, and that's because on Monday afternoon at 4 p.m., you can check out, I think it's on CBS Sports HQ, me and Pete Prisco will be comparing our mock drafts for the first time this draft season. So I'm, And Pete has announced that he does not do trades, so I just wanted to keep it. Uh, so in other words, there was like an email thread and Pete was like, and like, Pete didn't reply all because Pete didn't know how to reply all. And he was like, no trades. 
<laughs> there was no email thread, but he made it clear when I saw him in Indianapolis. I don't do trades very well. So he's just not. He's just he's too lazy. Yeah, he ain't doing trades, and he doesn't. You know, he, the, the, what we do to publish the mock draft, Pete's just writing on a sheet of paper and giving it to an editor. Yeah, he he sends in like a text file. Uh, yeah, and that's probably why you have Tua Tongue Ovailoa going nope. number fifth, number fifth, number fifth overall. I got the name right and then messed that up. I uh, have him going fifth overall. Uh, Tristan Wirfs jumps up into the top five, uh, going to the Giants. I think it's, I think I'd be curious to see what the Giants do if, if this were to happen, because we know they don't like to trade. Dave Gettleman's never traded. He stated he, he, he also said like, we're open for business. Uh, he just doesn't like trading. I don't think he will, but I am curious if like analytics might have a little bit more input into decision making in New York, the, the computer folk, if you will. Please. My, the big thing that are going to drive Giants fans crazy is that number one, Isaiah Simmons could go before the Giants have a chance to pick him at number two. Uh, Dave Gettleman could very well take a defensive tackle there, like Derek Brown, if he's available. It'd be and incredible. They, it would be fantastic. Well, we just need another defensive tackle. It's like you just traded your uh, a high pick for Leonard Williams, let him walk, and you're getting another defensive tackle in the draft. And Bravo. You drafted Dexter Lawrence. He weighs 5,000 pounds last year, and he had a really yeah. good season. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, the Dolphins would do cartwheels if this scenario happened there, right? Yeah, they got. I I don't know if Tua's healthy. He says he is, and he walks great when you see him walking around. But when are we going to know? March ninth is the checkoff day for the you're cleared to to do sort of football stuff, and then April ninth is the plan for his pro day. But even if he runs a pro day, do you know enough? Um, so we'll see. That, but that would that would be great. Our, our guy Adam Beasley has mentioned that there are other quarterbacks the Dolphins are looking at too. Um, and Chris, I Greer, think the, the Dolphins are. Pretty- Thou doth protest a bit much in that sense. Yeah. Um, Chris Greer, the general manager, said they haven't talked yet about trading up or down for a quarterback, which means that um, they're definitely going to get to that conversation pretty soon. Well, which means they definitely have talked about it. Yeah. yeah. I just um, can't get it. The most amazing development so far this, this offseason for the Dolphins is that Brian Flores smiled and said hello to Tommy by name. Tommy, what's up, buddy? It's like, it was it's crazy, man. I was like, because I, I saw him walking, because you know you walk by these guys all day and you recognize them, and um, you go, okay, that's that, that's that. Um, and I said, that looks like Brian Flores. And then he smiled and looked completely different because no one's ever seen Brian Flores smile. And then right, he said right. Tommy's name. So I thought Tommy had worked with this guy like in, in uh, at a television station at some point in Tommy's career. Nope. That was the Dolphins head coach. Brian Flores. That's incredible. Good job, Tommy. Um, Jordan Love. Sorry, this one shocked me. You had, uh, you actually have, as we point out on the, the props. You can get plus money on Jordan Love to go ahead of Justin Herbert. You have Jordan Love going ahead of Justin Herbert, up five slots to number six of the Chargers. That would be an interesting mix with uh, with Tyrod Taylor. Makes a lot of sense. And then number 13, um, you have Justin Herbert falling seven spots down to the Colts. Again, no trade, so Justin Herbert probably goes sooner than that. But um, in this instance, right. he, he fell to the Colts. Uh, here's my thing. I think Jordan Love, I feel comfortable saying he has more upside. Than Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of right fit and all that other stuff. But both players need to be in the in the right situation. As I've said, only Joe Burrow and maybe Tua healthy could could overcome truly terrible situations like Cincinnati and Miami. Um, but I think Jordan Love in, in Los Angeles makes sense if you're going to let him sit on the bench. I don't know if they let him do that, but I think long term uh, he might have a little more upside than Justin. Mm. And I mean, do you think that the plan, like you're going with Tyrod Taylor, you're running the ball? Et cetera, it makes more sense with Jordan Love, or is this is that not really his game? I mean, what am I missing He's something? Had, there? I mean, Pete hates when I say this, but Darwin Thompson told me and Jamie Eisenberg both that 
unprompted, he has the little Patrick Mahomes on what he does. And that's, he's sort of that sort of athlete. He's not going to run like Lamar Jackson, but he can run like Patrick Mahomes. And then he has a really good arm and, and, um, he needs to make better decisions, but he's also a gunslinger, which is pretty funny because on Friday we were on set, me and, and JJ, uh, Jonathan Jones, our colleague and Jamie Eisenberg was hosting and, J.J. was saying, I don't trust Jordan Love. He had 17 interceptions last year, and what kind of quarterback can be a, a franchise quarterback doing that? And as he was talking, I was like, uh, Patrick Mahomes, college stats. Uh, his next to last season, Texas Tech, 15 interceptions. I said, yeah. so, as I look at this computer here, I... Wait, who said he can't be a franchise quarterback? Lock and pull? No, J.J., Jonathan Jones. Oh, okay, okay. And as I was calling J.J. out on it, he goes, Love. Sorry, we've moved on to Jake Fromm. There's no time to talk about <laughs> talk about that, which I thought was pretty funny. But yeah, the point is that you know you can be a gunslinger in college and, and turn it around in the right system. And I think the right system is the most important part of this. Yeah, no, that's that's and now I'm trying now to know uh, how many like like what I mean I feel like 15 interceptions is not that. But you think 17 is a lot for college? I watched every one of Jordan Love's games last year, and he played some some pretty crappy football. But again, he he had no. As Pete likes to say, yeah, he was throwing to bartenders and, and bouncers, um, and he's not far off. The, all, all those guys had, had left the year before, and he was he was doing a lot. But it, there were some really truly bad throws. But if you watch like 2018, like oh, I get it. This is why people like this guy. But 17, I mean, that's not great. 17's a lot. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, look, Philip Rivers would love to throw 17 interceptions in a season, but you know. That's, That's unnecessary. Philip Rivers is a, the greatest AC quarterback in ACC history. He never threw more than ten. He had twenty-five touchdowns and ten picks as a as a freshman. A freshman, Ryan. Philip? Yeah. Nice. That's good for Philip. Good job, buddy. Thir- you know what he had in uh, his senior year at NC State? Seventy-two yeah. percent completion. Wow. Thirty-four touchdowns, seven interceptions. Seven. I was going to guess eight. What um, did that team? Anything? Uh that team probably went like eight and five. Yep, eight and five. <laughs> Welcome to NC State football. Yeah, it's like uh, let's see. I'm sure. I'm sure we lost to Wake Forest in the first month of the year. <laughs> yep, Rusty fact, yep, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Rusty we were, uh, uh, I think it was my my cousin. Um, cousin was the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe it was Rusty Larue. Let's see. Uh, actually played in the NBA basketball game, I believe. Oh my god! So we played Western Carolina, ranked 14th. No, West, the, ranked 14th in the country, go to Winston-Salem and lose to Wake by double digits. Nice. 38-24. Humiliating. Uh, right, uh, uh, let's see, who's the passing? Corey Randolph. They, they threw the ball 11 times. It's unbelievable. Anyway, nobody cares about this game. Didn't even need Rusty Alou to beat, to beat Phillip Rivers NC State. Um, Patrick Queen. Noah Igbenogany. What? And, you crushed that name. Yes. And uh, Brandon Ayuk. I've been, that's why I've been spending the entire day uh, practicing. Uh, Ig, uh, I'm not going to get it again. Uh, Patrick Queen, uh, Noah, and Brandon Ayuk jump into the first round. And uh, no wide receiver. So what, what prompted you to slide those guys into the first round? So um, you may... Or may not remember. Uh, our guy Christopher Passo was on the pre-combine podcast and was talking up uh, Igbenogany. So I watched him uh, before the combine started, and I was like, "Holy crap, this guy's good! He plays in Auburn. No one's heard of him." Um, Prisco was talking to me about him, and then I saw uh, Ben Solak, who looks like he's fourteen. That seems, based on his Twitter profile, that seems aggressive. Like nine would be horror. <laughs> but I met him last year for the first time at the Senior Bowl, and he was—he's an awesome guy. And we were talking a little bit at, at the uh, the combine this year. Um, 
and he remains an awesome guy, and those guys do great work at, at the Draft Network, so it was good to talk to him. And he said um, that he was approached – I don't know if I should be telling the story, but he was approached at, at the Shrine Bowl about Igbenogany and, and um, sort of taking a look at him and making sure you know how good he is. And they had not watched him yet, which says a lot because they have five, six, seven guys at the Draft Network, and all they do is study guys. So that they hadn't gotten around to him was pretty surprising. And once they did watch him, like, oh, my God, this guy is really good. So it, it felt good to, to have – uh, those guys. How, prefer- how is this? How is an Auburn cornerback off everybody's radar? That's what I said. And um, you know, you get so caught up in all the other guys. And it seems to happen every year. Last year, Jamel Dean ran a four three at the combine, ended up getting drafted third or fourth round, maybe, maybe earlier by the um, Bucks, and had a decent year. So they put out cornerbacks. Uh, Iguanagadi is a, a sprinter. I think both his parents are, are have spring backgrounds. He had a really good. He ran a really good forty. So uh, yeah, he's a fun story. I don't know if he's gonna go in the first round, but um, he's a good—he's good man. He—he he is five eleven, two hundred pounds, solid. Doesn't get beat uh, deep. Obviously, the deep speed. He can help in the run game. Fluid hips, as they say. So uh, yeah. Nice. And uh, what about uh, the fact that no wide receiver goes until number fifteen? I don't believe that happens. I—it may. I mean, we talked about the quarterbacks, the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen. Isaiah Simmons, um, Akuda. So they're guys that are going to go up there and, and go. Caleb on chase on. So, yeah, it seems crazy that someone like um, either CeeDee Lamb or J- uh, Jerry Judy would last until the middle of the first round. But that's great news for the Broncos who picked 15th. Uh, who could land him there. And then I think – where do I have Judy going? I have Judy going to – oh, not Judy. I'm sorry. CeeDee Jones. Uh, CeeDee Jones. Oh, CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb going to uh, the Cowboys. Oh, wait. That's not uh... – Wait, what do we say? Yeah. Yeah, the 15, Jerry Judy, 15 to the uh, Broncos, CeeDee Lamb, 17 to the Cowboys. Good Lord. And great news for, for Debo and the Eagles, 21, to get Henry Ruggs in his 4-2-7. I feel like everybody's penciling Henry Ruggs in for the Eagles. That means yeah, it's not going to happen. Long... Oh, what's that, Debo? I said that means it's there's no chance it happens. Yeah. For the longest time, I had them taking either a cornerback or, or like an edge rusher. But uh, if nothing else, if they get Henry Ruggs, they will be dominating the off-season basketball circuit. Have you seen Henry Ruggs' basketball highlights, Brenton? No, I've not. Were they on Twitter or something? Oh, right. You're, you're taking a Twitter break, which is another weird story. I but might, might cut out Twitter for Lent. I'm not sure yet. For Lent? You're not even Catholic. I'm Protestant. Maybe maybe you convert to Catholicism <laughs> since I talked to you last. You quit Twitter, convert to Catholicism. All right. Did <laughs> you drink a lot of red wine? Um, the uh, Yeah, no, I haven't seen it. I'll take a look at Henry Ruggs. Uh, basketball skills shortly. What are you looking forward to the next, uh, what sort of, what's on your, what's on your map draft wise over the next few, uh, weeks, Ryan? Well, Monday is the draft show with, uh, Prisco. We're going to compare mock drafts. I think Tuesday we're doing a, a winner's loser. So that's or... today. If you want to watch the mock draft show, if you really like draft action, you want to hear Pete and Ryan do the mock draft show, watch it on CBS Sports HQ. That's right. Debo 4 p.m. Debo just put the highlights into Slack if you want to see. Henry Ruggs. Tuesday at 4 p.m., I think we're doing a winner's loser, stock up, stock down, whatever you prefer, uh, from the combine. Um, this is insane. Yeah, Henry Ruggs good. is like a NBA five, jam character. He's 5'11". Good Lord. I mean, th- I'm, I'm drafting this guy in the top 10 based on this alone. <laughs> like I said, if you want to win the offseason basketball league, uh, you know, that's who you take. Uh, problem solved. But, uh, yeah, so that's what's going on. I think in a few weeks I'm going to be traveling – uh, to Houston to check out some 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 stuff that we can talk about later, but uh, you know, hopefully I'll still be able to travel at that point. 
Wait, wait, wait. You're going to Houston? Yeah, I told you that. For what? Going to go talk to my guy. He trains these uh, these defensive uh, edge rushers and defensive linemen. Oh, cool. Who is it? Brandon Jordan. He's amazing. Uh, he's a young nice. guy. Just started out three years ago. He was training like high school kids in a park. Snacks Harrison, awesome. Harrison saw him on Twitter, got in touch with him, and like the last last three years has been a whirlwind. Uh, in fact, he was Max Crosby's guy last year. Max Crosby went from fourth round pick to almost one of the defensive player of the year. Could so. have been defensive rookie of the year for sure. Yeah, Max Crosby, incredible season. Well, that's cool. That'll be fun for a uh, fun little trip for you. Well, it's in Houston, and as uh, Debo has already warned me, there's been a at least one case of coronavirus in Texas. So, uh, in the state of Texas, do you know how big Texas is? <laughs> you, as you pointed out to me. That would, this will be something that would concern me greatly. So, as you know, yeah. are you were you worried traveling to and from India about the coronavirus? Nah, I mean, at that point, what are you going to do? Like when I'm in the middle of it, it's over, you know. But when I have time to think about it, um, but Ooh, there are eleven confirmed coronavirus cases in San Antonio. Yeah, come on, Depot. <laughs> Ooh, right. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's that one. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Devo's got... I saw this one, Devo. I saw the, the postponement of the international conference to Houston. I do wonder if that's more about the international people coming flying into Houston or whether it's uh, people from, from San Antonio going over to Houston. I don't know. Um, yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about coronavirus? Right now that I'm home, zero. Um, but, you know, hanging around airports long enough, anything can happen. And I saw, like, um, you know, I watch a lot of international soccer, and that they're doing the... You see the the Champions League, and there were I saw some some of the Italy matches, um, just the Italian professional league are empty stadiums, which is weird. Yeah, uh, there's a talk about a fanless March Madness. No, there isn't. Is there? Yeah, I saw it on the news today. People are talking about not having no fans at March Madness. It would be insane. And the soccer players also were told don't slap hands anymore, <laughs> like no high fives. Well, yeah, you, you get, you get that, how do you spread it? I thought it was respiratory. I don't know. Look, I don't know anything. Neither you're not me. Neither of us are doctors. I don't know. I, I'm a doctor. Oh, okay. That's right. You were a doctor. What was that thing you were supposed to be a doctor about before? Doctor uh, uh, um, <laughs> I forgot what is it. Uh, the foot yeah. thing. Oh, okay. What's this? What's this foot injury? Oh no. Devo's got you panicking. This is beautiful. Just wash your hands. Yes. Yeah, I wash my hands religiously anyway. I, li- I did think about wearing gloves on the plane, but I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> Wait, I like this idea. The little foot tap? People are, like, going around and tapping foots instead of high-fiving. I think this is way more sanitary in general. Yeah, and it's also like the – what dance was that? That's like the kid and play dance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, for so that, those who can't see this because it's, you know, it's, it's a it's – some guy gets out of a bus. He's, instead of saying what's up to his boys and giving him a high-five, he just – just taps his feet, taps each one foot, two foot. I like this. I think we should start doing that. Start doing that. Give him the kid and play. Shoes would become vastly more important in society. Like whatever shoes you wore would be more impressive. Yeah. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, fist bumps and kid and play. Problem solved. Nah, I'm not um, worried about it. Okay. Well, uh, that's the show. Super Friends will be tomorrow. Make what? sure to uh, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you got got uh, draft questions. Anything else? Send us a, send us a note on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts with a five-star rating, and we will get to your question. Ryan, talk to you manana. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. 
We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 